Our scripture reading this morning is from Romans 1, verse 7. And I'll be reading it from the Clear Word Bible. <clears throat> Greeting, greetings to everyone in Rome, beloved of God and set apart by him to be his holy people. Grace to you and peace from God. Verse 17. 17? Oh my. Sorry. Verse 17. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that begins and ends with faith. As the scriptures say, the righteous live by faith in God, and he declares them just. Thank you for the correction. Good morning, church. Good morning, church. Happy Sabbath. Happy Sabbath. I know it's gray on the outside, but it doesn't have to be gray on the inside. Amen? Amen. As the psalmist declared, this is the day that the Lord has made. And let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. Gabby, are you mocking your father? I want to thank, um, I tell you, I sit in there, I was transported. I don't know about you, but I was transported heavenward just a minute ago with that piano recite. I, it's almost like I was in Carnegie Hall in Marshfield. Thank you for that beautiful piece. Gabby, thank you for that children's story. Amen. And Brother Andrew, who was a soloist today, the one-man band that plays all alone. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for showing up this morning. You make my heart glad. And this morning, I want to talk to us, Bob, about faith. Living by Faith. What's the title of our sermon? Living by? Say the word. Faith. Faith. All right. I told the elder this morning that my sermon is about two hours long. So, fasten your seatbelt. You have your Bibles in hand? Yeah, get your Bibles out. You're going to need the Bibles out this morning. You got your Bibles? Amen. Let's see the word. You got the word? Let me see the word. Amen. Praise God. Let's bow our heads, saints, as we invite God's divine, divine presence. <coughs> Let's bow our heads. Father God, we thank you that in your words as it declared that while we were yet sinners, Jesus Christ came and died on our behalf. 
so that we might experience salvation through Jesus Christ. And the words declare now that therefore there is no condemnation to those that are in Christ. And so we thank you now for Jesus that brings us salvation through his name. And now, Father God, as your people anticipate now your words, I pray that you will hide me now behind the cross. May your name and your name only today be lifted up. And when the saints would have left the courts, may we all say with one resounding voice that it was good to be in the house of God. And let all the church say, Amen. My short discourse this morning for our contemplation is on the topic living by faith. What does faith have to do with living? You woke up this morning, didn't you? Was there a sunshine? The sun wasn't out, but the day was bright enough to get around. Did you do anything to get up this morning? Did you like flip? Is there a switch in your house? I just say, okay, before I get up, I got to flip the switch and I'm up. Did you do anything this morning to get up? No, you did not. You got up because of faith. Turn with me, if you have your Bibles, Galatians chapter 2. This is my wife's favorite text. And what does faith have to do with living? Our topic this morning is living by faith. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. Anybody there? You could read for me. I see if I can get the audience to participate. Say that again. I have been crucified. Go ahead, Brother Andrew. I have been what? Crucified. With whom? Is it I that now lives? No. But it is whom? It is Christ, Walter, that lives where? In me. And the life that I now what? Live, I live by what? I live by what? Faith. In whom? In the Son of God who what? Loved me. And the, kid, the kids sang today, yes, Jesus loves me. My voice is all gone. Yes, Jesus loves me. And what tells me so? Because the Bible tells me so. And so as Walter read this morning, Romans chapter 1 and verse 17. This is Jesus' words. Jesus says that what the just shall live 
by faith. Because faith is a key component of our salvation. You don't believe, do you? Turn with me. Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to go really fast. Because I have 15 minutes. And we're going to get there. Ephesians chapter 2. And verse 8. And 9. I know my Sabbath school kid must be saying, we're in Sabbath school class this morning. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 and 9. What does it read? For we are what? Oh, very good. Amen. For by grace are we what? Through what? Did you earn it? Did you? Because I know many of us work this week, right? You work from Monday to Friday and you work and at the end. But God is saying, listen, you are saved by grace through faith. Amen. Lest anyone should boast. So we walk by faith and not by sight. Because the Bible tells us that the things that are seen are what? Temporary. But the things that are not seen are what? Eternal. Amen. Have you ever seen heaven? No. But those things are eternal. Faith takes broken people. Like you and you and you and you. And it takes our brokenness and sets us on a path of wholeness. Brokenness comes in all different forms. It could be the loss of a loved one. It could be addiction to different types of opiates. Brokenness comes in the form of broken relationships, finances, sickness, disease. And, and I want to report this morning as I wear my pink. Because I am a cancer survivor as well. Amen. And this week I did my physical. It's always a nerve-wracking time, John, when it comes on to this time of the year. And when I did the tests and the doctor called me and said, Mr. Gale, I said, yes. She said, the CBCs were good. But I'm looking for one test that I want to hear the result on. That's my PSA. She said, Brother Mr. Gale, good news. It's undetectable. And I said, Amen. And praise God, hallelujah. Five years now. And God has been what? Good. And even if, as the children of Israel says, God is still what? God is still good. Amen? Amen. So God takes this broken vessel and and, and he sets me now on a journey, on this walk with him. And so each of us, our walk is different. Our journey is different. I don't know what your journey is. I don't know what you're dealing with, but God says, come now into this faith relationship with me. 
And faith is this thing that allows and maintains our relationship with God. Because without faith, Brother Matthew, the Bible says that it is what? Impossible to do what? To please God. So faith is an important ingredient in our Christian experience. And I'm going to ask a question and I want the kids in my class to answer this one. What is faith? Mason, Sawyer, Denali. What is faith? Amen. Amen. What is faith? Taking God at his word. God says it. I will. And that. Amen. We're done with church. Let's start and do the closing here. Amen. Or that can be said in another way. Faith is living by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Quoting from Martin Luther King Jr. He says that, listen now, listen. He says, if a man has not discovered something that he will die for, he is not fit to live. Faith and living by faith. And so the question I want to ask the congregation, what's a synonym for faith? Give me another word for faith. Belief. Over this side. Come on, this side. You can't let this side come on now. Another word for faith. I heard Brother Bob in the back. Trust. Amen. So we have it balanced now. Trusting. Believing. Being convinced and being convicted of something. So how does faith, does faith now immune us from life's challenges and problems? You sure? I have faith. God puts me in a bubble. No. No. It does not. But it gives us hope that we are not alone. The psalmist David declares that though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will what? I will fear no evil. Because why? Because God is with me. What happens? Thy rod and thy what? They what? They comfort me. They buffers me around. And what is the rod and the staff? The word. These are the so when we go through those dark days in our Christian walk, be comforted and assured that God is with you always. Does having faith protect us from death and disease? You sure? You won't die. You won't get ill. You won't go old and die. No. No, it doesn't. But I like what Job says. Job in Job chapter 13 and verse 15, he says that, Though 
He slay me, yet will I what? Amen. Job was being ravaged with sickness and disease. And Job says, listen, my faith in God is so secure that even though I'm going through this terrible experience, I am still holding on to God's unchanging hands. I am still, Bob, trusting God. And that's faith. I like how Paul declares it. Turn your Bibles with me. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 21. This is Paul talking now. All right, I want this side to read this time. Philippians chapter 1 verse 21. All right, if you're there, just say a big amen for me. All right, somebody on this side. Philippians chapter 1, verse 21. No, 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 not you, sister. On this side, on my right-hand side. Who is on the right-hand side? There's a lot of human beings over this side. Yes, I see you, brother Matt. Go ahead. For me to live is what? And to die is what? What is Paul actually in essence saying? If I live, if I die, it doesn't what? It doesn't matter. Because I'm living for Christ. Every single day that I wake up, I'm living for Christ. Brothers and sisters, faith requires giving God our all. Giving all. Faith requires that. The songwriter writes, All to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him. In his presence daily live. I surrender. I surrender all. I surrender. I surrender all. All to thee, my blessed Savior. I surrender all. God deserves our all. Listen, it's all or nothing. That's what faith demands of us. As Paul says that the life that I now live, I live by faith through Christ that is in him. And we are called to that same experience. But what I love this part, faith allows us to love like Jesus. Do you know that, Brother Bob? Yes, man. Faith allows us to live, to love like Jesus. Turn with me. 1 Corinthians. I love this text. We're almost coming to an end. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Can anybody tell me how many verses are in that chapter? Did you notice that? 1 Corinthians 13 has 13 chapters. All right, very good. He's listening. 
Okay, very good. This side you have to catch up, Marina. Come on now. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And I'm going to read the entire text, um, chapter in your hearing. Listen to it. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 1 through 13. Loving like how Jesus loved. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not what? I become as a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all man mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains, but have not love, I am what? And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burnt, but have not love, it profits me nothing. And then now it says that love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. Does not behave unruly. Does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoice in the truth. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, the word says, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly. But then face to face, no, I know in part. But then I shall know just as I also am known. And now the word of God says, now abide it what? Faith, Faith, hope, and love. And And these three, but the greatest of these is what? Love. Love. Everybody love. Everybody love. Let us, we're not going to go there. Faith. Demands us to love like Jesus. Love is not puffed up. It's not envious. It doesn't desire its own. The word of God says that this is how the world will know us. When we have love for one another. Faith is what ignites, generates. This love. Because faith, as the young people says, is taking God at his what? Word. Word. All right. We're going to turn our Bible. <coughs> Let's turn our Bibles. Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15. 
Let's look at one demonstration of faith. Anybody there? Matthew chapter 15, verses 22. Amen. Amen. And who? The young lady that played. What's, what's her, her name? The lady that played earlier today. Josie. Are you on Matthew chapter 15, Where are you at there, Josie? To 20, 28. 22 to 28. Here comes this woman, this Canaanite woman, <clears throat> and she comes to, to Jesus, pleading on behalf of her sick child. Listen to me now. You see, our faith, our faith cannot be there's no doubt in what we believe. If there is doubt in what you believe, I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, might as well you just pack up stuff, you just go home, and just live a merry life. If you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, <clears throat> there can be no wavering. I'm not saying that you're not going to fall and trip. Get, enter into some situation where you have to go down on your knees and say, Lord Jesus, forgive me, I have sinned. And that's okay. Because the word of God says that where sin abounds, what? Grace much more, what? Abounds. So God has put provision in place to deal with the sin problem. Amen. But what I'm saying to you is that if you decide that Jesus is your all and stay, there can be no wavering. And I'm telling you, there is going to be a situation that's going to come up where you're going to have to trust God when you can't see. I like how Charles, Charles Spurgeon puts it this way. It says that to trust God in the light is nothing. To trust God in the light is nothing. But to trust God in the dark, that is Faith. In the good times, praise his name. In the bad times, 
do the same. If I told you there was a divine key to success in life and ministry, would you go after it? If I told you that this key is more valuable than the resources at the disposal of magistrates and kings, would you desire it? What if I told you that this key would open up a whole new world of life and endless possibilities? Would you listen? Amazingly, this divine key is already in your hands. Instead, indeed, it has been in our hands from the very beginning. The problem is while we talk a lot about it, most of us haven't yet discovered its true power. All right, to illustrate what I mean, let me tell you the story of an ancient king. Alexander the Great was a mighty conqueror and a king. And although he lived long before the time of Christ, around 300 B.C., his reputation still lives on today. As history tells us, he conquered all of the then known world. In fact, it is told that when he reached Asia, he he realized there were no more countries to be conquered. He was... And when that happened, the story said that Alexander wept. There was nowhere else to conquer. But this man, besides being a great conqueror, he was also a compassionate ruler. Every year, he set aside one day that he called Compassionate Day. As the story goes, on this special day of the year, he randomly selected different people across his kingdom whom he allowed to come and make special requests. They could ask for whatever they wanted or need, and he would grant them their requests. Most people ask for food, clothes, money, or for medicine and so on. However, one year, there was a man who dared to ask for more. Speaking through the king's spokesman, this man shared his request. Can you please tell the king that I want a large palace? And and, and I want... But before he could continue, the king's spokesman interrupted him with a mild fit of irritation. What impertinence... How dare you think that you can ask the king for a palace? But the man continued earnestly. I want the palace to include a large banquet hall uh, where I can host a celebration because I have lots of friends, you see. And I want the palace to be well furnished and I want special meals prepared. But the sportsman stopped him again as he was getting even more angry. I will not ask the king for this. This is the most outrageous thing I've ever heard. At this point, King Alexander saw the commotion. What does this man desire? He inquired of the spokesman. The spokesman reluctantly turned towards the king and came forward, whispering in low tones that only the king could hear. 
king, I'm afraid to tell you this. I, I, I can't believe how unreasonable this man is. And, and I know you will be upset. But he's asking for a palace. Not only does he want a palace, but he wants a banquet all. And he wants food to be prepared. Not only does he have the audacity to ask for a palace, but he's asking that you have a large banquet all in the palace because he evidently has lots of friends and he wants the whole thing to be fully furnished and supplied with food. I'm so sorry, king. I know that this is such an unreasonable request and I, I, I tried to get him to ask for something more reasonable, but he persisted. King Alexander paused for a moment. Then with a large smile on his face, he turned towards the petitioner and enthusiastically replied, Request granted! The spokesman looked at the king in astonishment. How can he grant such an outrageous request? He asked in shock. The king replied smiling, You see, all these people are asking for food, for medicine, for mundane things. They think that's the only thing I can give. But they don't need a king to give them these things. Anyone with extra resources could give them these, could do these things for them. But this man, this man, he's the first man that really made me feel like the king I am. For only I can grant such a request. Listen, brothers and sisters, the Bible tells us, No, unto him who is able to do exceeding. <clears throat> I have to raise my voice on this one. Let me just get a sip. Because sometimes we treat God and put God in this little box here. But this is what Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20 says. But unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we are able to ask according to the power that worketh in us. God is able to give us more than abundantly I am lost for words. Amen. But God is able to do abundantly and give us abundant things. But we need to ask and ask in faith. Why do we so often settle for superficial blessings when we serve the king of the universe? <coughs> Why do we settle for living in three inches below the water line? Barely surviving spiritually when God is longing to give us so much more. We are living in the last days, brothers and sisters, of earth history. And if the gospel is going to go to all the world and Jesus is going to return, things can't continue as they have been any longer. We need a much deeper spiritual experience than we have yet than we have yet imagined possible. 
We need a much deeper prayer life. We need a much deeper faith in God's word. The reality is that we have settled for being spiritual dwarfs when God is calling us, modern day Israel, to become spiritual giants standing in the gap, interceding for the lost. Unfortunately, Satan knows the power that there is in God's, in God's word. He knows the power that there is when we pray. In fact, he knows better than most Christians the unlimited spiritual possibilities, brothers and sisters, that are within our grasp is if we look to God in faith. So what does it mean to have true faith? And how can we become so firmly grounded in God's word that no storm can blow us over? And how can we pray with bold confidence knowing that God is hearing and will answer our prayer? My fervent prayer is that you will allow the Holy Spirit to take you on this most incredible journey that he desired to take you on into the endless frontiers of spiritual possibilities that God has waiting for you. God is just waiting to pour out his spirit and just longing to do so much more in your life than you can ever imagine. And the key that opens the door to all these possibilities is within your grasp. It is prayer, faith-filled, earnest prayer, for we are told prayer and faith will do what no power on earth can accomplish. And so, I close with my favorite text. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12. And it reads thus. That is why I am suffering as I am. Yet this is no cause for shame, because I know in whom I have what? Believed. And I am what? Convinced that he is what? He is what? Able to keep that which I have what? Entrusted to him until that day. May your faith never wavers as you place yourself into God's omnipotent hand. Amen. Our closing hymn, the hymn number 304.